Those of you who remember well know that we made a promise a few Sabbaths ago that for the next little while we would be dealing with an element of prophecy that ties into the gift of Ellen White to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our endeavor is not to exalt Ellen White, but to show how Ellen White, the recipient of the gift of prophecy, has benefited and still benefits God's people. And we talked about her passing all of the signs of a true prophet, and you who were here understand and remember that. And on Sabbath afternoon, a couple of Sabbaths ago, we also had an extended seminar, and by the way, we'll have one today at 5 o'clock for those of you who want to ask questions. One of, the, one of the peculiarities of preaching is that the preacher does all the talking. But this afternoon, you talk back. And it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue in which we can all participate. After our affirmation of Ellen White as being the individual who answers the prophecies of Revelation, particularly Revelation 12:17 and Revelation 19:10, and after making it clear that Ellen White is not on par with the Bible. She is not a Bible writer. There is no doctrine that starts with her. She, she is not canonized. She's not on par with the Bible and in fact states over and over again that fact and most especially when she says that the Bible is the which light? But she is the what light? Lesser light we conclude that it is safe to study her writings in a balanced way as they help us understand the Word of God. And we began that journey next. We continued that journey by studying about the Sabbath and uh, pointing out how it is that Ellen White gives us comprehension and understanding with the Holy Sabbath day. And we dealt with the history of the Sabbath and how Seventh-day Adventists became that name or how we got that name. You remember we gave you that story there as we came out of the Dark Ages and the Reformation. There were many, many churches, Baptists, Methodists, Episcopalians, Church of the Nazarenes, Church of God, and later on Pentecostals and so forth. And among them, there were Sabbatarians, people who kept the Sabbath, and Adventists. And the Sabbatarians knew nothing about the second coming that the Adventists believed, and the Adventists didn't know anything about the Sabbath. But in the early 1840s, there was a meeting, they got together, they prayed, and the church took on the name Seventh-day Adventists. We also mentioned the fact that all through the ages there have been people keeping the Sabbath and all through the ages there have been people looking forward to the second coming and all through the ages there have been some people who believed both so there have been Seventh-day Adventists since Adam and Eve as far as that's concerned but the official church name was given in 1861 after these two groups got together the Sabbatarians and the Adventists 
And the Sabbath became a prominent plank in the gospel platform that was laid. Well, today, I would like to deal with the greater light, which is the Bible, and the lesser light, Ellen White. And I want to lay the foundation with these three scriptures that you see that the greater light the Bible gives us. And then we want to take a little time, and this afternoon we'll have more occasion for exchange. But I want to take a little time to show how the prophet, the woman to whom God gave this gift, helps us to understand how to keep the Sabbath. Now let me make that clear. Our, our sermon today is not to justify the Sabbath and to prove that the Sabbath is right. I'm assuming we're clear on that. If you're not clear on that, come back this afternoon. You can ask some more questions. But I'm assuming that we all understand that the Sabbath is the holy day of rest, that Saturday is the seventh day, and it is the day that God has told us to keep holy. But the question is how? How? That's the question we want to deal with today, and we're going to use the greater light, first of all. So turn in Exodus chapter 20, and you don't really have to turn because many of you know it already. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. If you'd like to turn there, please do so, and now we're on our way. Exodus 20, verse 8. Let's all read or repeat together. What does it say? Remember the Sabbath day to keep... Stop right there. How do we keep the Sabbath holy? The first word of verse 8 says what? In other words, we don't keep it, start keeping it holy on the Sabbath day. We remember it even before it gets here. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Remember the Sabbath day to do what, everybody? To keep it holy. Now, keeping it holy indicates that it's tied in with God himself. God is the only holy, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. The Trinity is the only holy unit in the universe, the only strictly holy. Now we talk about the church being God's holy people, but that's holy with a small h. God is holy with a capital H. He is completely holy. So holy that Hebrews says he is a consuming fire. And you know what that means? That means he is so spiritually pure that his purity breaks out into fire. God is so, God's holiness is so intense. He is so intensely pure that his purity emanates. His purity breaks out into flames of fire. And when God says, keep my day holy, he is reminding us that we are relating to him who is holy, who dwells in the holy of holies, and that is a part of the how. But then it goes on. Verse 9 says, how many days? Now that's a command. It's part of keeping the Sabbath holy. You can't keep the Sabbath holy if you don't work the other six days. 
I want to say that again. You can't keep the Sabbath holy if you're not gainfully employed the other six days. Now that doesn't mean if you're out of a job, you might as well not try to keep the Sabbath holy. It just means that the other six days, you ought to take advantage of the secular time God has given you. So Sabbath keeping involves six days working. It involves being honest about your time the other six days. And if we're not honest about our employment of our talents and our time, if we're not honest and if we are not true to the opportunities that God gives us on the first six days, then we aren't ready to really appreciate, enjoy, and worship God on his holy Sabbath day. So when you talk about the how of Sabbath keeping, it involves also the honesty and the diligence that we give to the days that precede it. Verse 10, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your maid servant, nor your female servant, my virgin says, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. Now notice, a part of the how, verse 10 is, you don't do any work, and your children and your servants, nobody else does any work. Now this verse came to my mind very vividly yesterday because I had a little conversation with the man who cuts the lawn. I used to do my own lawn. I like to do my own lawn. I'd rather do my own lawn. It's not that big, and I enjoy doing my own lawn. But there's some patches of grass in my lawn that turn brown every summer. And I have done all I could to get those patches to stay green. I even got some sod and replaced the brown once or twice, but they still, all of my efforts, the rest of the lawn pretty good, but those three or four spots turn brown every summer. So I gave up this summer and I told the man who's cutting everybody else's grass, please cut my grass and I'll pay you and I want you to take care of this brown spot, these brown spots. And he promised me he would, and he got them all except one. There's one persistent spot in front of the lawn. It's terrible. It's terrible. It just keeps growing up. And he wanted his money yesterday, and I was waiting on him. I was waiting on him. I was waiting on him to knock at the door and ask me for his money. And before I gave him his money, I took him out, and I said, look at this. You promised me, and we had a good talk. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do and made excuses, excuses. I said, look, you promised me? He said, yeah, I'm going to. And he kept making excuses. And you know what he said? I, well, I said to him, I said, when are you going to fix it? He said, next Saturday, I'm going to come out and fix it. And I said, uh-oh. <laughs> Exodus 20, verse 10. Uh-oh, he's going to come out and he's going to fix my lawn on the Sabbath. And one little voice said, well, you won't be here, so don't worry about it. <laughs> And then I had to think it over, and I said, well, um, hmm, what am I going to do with that? Just a little patch of grass. Don't be fanatical, man. Just a little patch of grass. What, what's, you know. And I made a decision. I'm not going to tell you what my, yes, I'll tell you what my decision is. <laughs> I decided to go get some sod and put it in there myself so I don't have to bother with him. 
But if I don't get to do it, then I'm going to tell him next Friday, don't worry about it. We let it stay brown. The word says, thou nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle. And you know, in, in modern times, and we'll get to this in a little bit when we come to the lesser light, there's so much in our world today that differs from back there when the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. What about your maidservant nor your manservant? Now in my house, we have a debate about whether or not to let the television record events on the Sabbath. And we're not a debate, but I mean, we have discussion and we, 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 we are on two sides of the fence. One of us believes if you go to church and whatever, it's okay. You, your television is recording, it's not on, there's no light. You don't have to press any buttons. And another one of us believes that uh, it's your manservant, turn it off. I'm not going to tell you who's who, <laughs> but uh, it's all right. And, and I suppose maybe, maybe, maybe salvation is not an either one. But it is a fact that we have to make decisions about this manservant thing. About this manservant, maidservant thing. And we must come to conclusions that are fitting with and that coincide with God's instructions. Your maidservant. Now some people say to me, and we're going to talk about this this afternoon also at 5 o'clock. Well, what about your postman? I've had people say, you can't stop everything because the postman is delivering mail and you pay taxes, so you're paying for your manservant. You're going to put a lock on your mailbox? <laughs> and people use other kinds of reasoning to, to wrap themselves up in debate, which may be all right. But it is a fact that if we are going to be true to the Word of God, we have to come to some decisions, and sometimes we may differ. But God says, you know your manservant, know your maidservant, your home, your house, your environs. This is how you keep the Sabbath holy, and you are to do no work. Well, let's look at the next scripture, which is Isaiah. The next scripture that is very, very informative in this business of how we keep the Sabbath. Yes, the Sabbath is true, the Sabbath is right, but how do we keep it? How, how is it done? Let's look at verse 12 of Isaiah 58. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. Isaiah 58 verse 12. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. And by the way, that's you and that's me. God said in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 that there would come along a power that would speak great words against the Most High and that would think to change times and laws. And we've been through that. And it's repeated in Revelation chapter 13, 4 through 6, that there would be a power that would rise up and would wreak havoc with the people of God and the work of God and seek to nullify the word of God. And we know that in the early centuries, around 400 B.C., 
as pagan Rome developed into papal Rome and the bishops and the popes of what is now the Catholic Church came to power as they sought to bring together the heathens who worshipped on Sunday the first day of the week and the Christians who kept the Sabbath they sought to integrate and bring them together and they began to call Sunday a day of festival and finally moved it to be a day of worship so that by the 6th century AD Sunday had been adopted by the church but it's never to be justified in the word of God we know that's happened and we know that people who are truly intelligent and people who are truly truthful will never be able to say that they can claim a change from the seventh day to the first day based upon the word of God it is not there when I was younger and more rash I used to offer $10,000 to anybody who could prove that from the Bible that Sunday is a day of worship. I used to put it on newspapers and radio and TV and still do it. I could offer a million dollars. In fact, let me offer a million dollars to anybody who can prove. And I don't have a million, but they don't have the text, so I don't, it don't bother me. I could offer 10 million because I know it's not there. But God says in the last days there would rise up a people who would be the repairers of the breach. That's you. If you are a Sabbath keeper, you should be a Sabbath teacher. And by your example and your words, you are a repairer of the breach. What breach? The breach that was made in the law of God in the fourth commandment, which is the key commandment of all ten that the devil hates so much. But Isaiah says, we shall be repairers of the breach, the restorers of paths to dwell in. That's our work. But then he goes on, verse 13. If you turn your what? From the Sabbath, from doing, and now he explains what turning your foot from the Sabbath means, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. How do we keep the Sabbath? The greater light says, you don't do your pleasure on God's holy day. What is your pleasure? Your pleasure consists of the secular activities, the regular social activities of the week. Your pleasure is going shopping. Your pleasure is turning on the television and looking at the ball game. Your pleasure is reading and, and observing events that are not sacred, that are not holy, that are not spiritual. Your pleasure is talking about worldly or common things that you can handle any day of the week and which ought not be involved in the Sabbath. Your pleasure is visiting in places that are not conducting spiritual endeavors. Your pleasure and maybe your work is studying your school lessons on the Sabbath. Your pleasure is taking tests for a job on the Sabbath. Your pleasure is whatever belongs to you and your secular regular activities that are to be confined to the six days and not indulge on God's holy Sabbath. From doing your pleasure on my holy day, my day, it doesn't even belong to you. 
It's not your day. It's God says it's my day. It's my day. It's a Sabbath that belongs to me. And when John says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he wasn't talking about Sunday. He was talking about the Sabbath. The seventh day of the Lord. And God says, you take your foot off my day, call the Sabbath the delight, holy the Lord, honorable him, not honorable, and honor him, not finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your... Uh-oh. Nor speaking whose words? You know, I, I've got some friends, they, they've been, they play games with the Sabbath. They say, man... It wasn't the Sabbath. I'd tell you that's a pretty tie and ask you how much you paid for it. And he said, yeah, if it wasn't the Sabbath, I'd tell you I paid $16. <laughs> the Sabbath is not for secular conversation. The Sabbath is a time when we leave off how much the car costs, how much the house costs, how much the bills are, and, and, and all who won the football game last Sunday and will you come to my house tomorrow and watch the football game <laughs> the Sabbath is when we leave our words our thoughts the Sabbath is when we wrap ourselves up into secular a secular cocoon and we ask God to give us the presence of his Holy Spirit and for the Sabbath hours we are in a zone it's a different zone it's a different modality it's a whole different mindset everything else is gone we don't open the bills we don't you can collect your mail and put it down thank God you don't even have to read your bills till the Sabbath is done don't have to bother with all of the business and we honor God and we call the Sabbath the delight and look at what he says verse 14 then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth the high places the old King James and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father and Jacob's latter days were very prosperous and God says if you do what I tell you I'm going to prosper you you may, don't, may not have the money for church school now, but you keep the Sabbath and you do right and I'm going to bless you and one day your children are going to grow up to be, to be doctors and nurses and teachers and preachers. You do what I tell you, God says. Do what I tell you. Have faith and do what I tell you. Keep the Sabbath holy and you won't become a millionaire overnight, but God will send in the tides of of material prosperity and he will lift your family to higher heights he'll bless you and your shoes won't wear out so fast and your tires will last longer and you'll have better health and I tell you I'd rather trust God and keep his Sabbath and, and you know I have people to tell me some I had people to tell me I can't believe it Pastor, I'm sorry. I couldn't come to church last Sabbath. I had to work. Amazed. 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 What do you mean you had to work? When God said don't do it. You don't have to do anything God said don't do. God said don't do it. 
And you and I should rather go hungry and die than disobey God. On the other hand, I can promise you upon the authority of the greater light that if you do what God says, there may be some dark days. You may run up on some problems that you don't know how you're going to overcome. You may run up on some circumstances that, that you just don't know how it's going to work out. And God will keep bringing you there until finally you learn to trust him. And you say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm not going to give up my principles. For any good reason, seemingly good reason, I'm going to do what God says and that's how we keep the Sabbath and finally from the greater light before we turn quickly to the lesser light way back in the very beginning the book of Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 thus the heavens and the earth were finished and the host of them and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made or done now if you read Genesis chapter 1, of course, it says as God made the world, the evening and the morning were the first day. Remember that? Then it says the evening and the were the what? Right on through, all the days. So in God's economy, it's all right for you and for me to say that the day begins at 12.01 Midnight, right after midnight, the new day begins. It's a.m., 12.01 a.m. All right, that's okay to take care of our business. But with God, when we answer the question of how we keep the Sabbath, we have to begin and keep it like God said, and that's from evening to evening. So when the sun goes down on Friday evening, the seventh day has already begun. In God's calculation. Might not begin to 1201 by man's calculation, but by God's calculation, when the sun goes down at that moment. Yesterday, I understand it was 704, and it'll go down seven minutes earlier every week until finally it begins to go up again. You know how that rhythm is. But that's the way we keep the Sabbath. So when the sun goes down on Friday, we should be keeping the Sabbath. We should begin our Sabbath Preparation. Now that's a problem in some places. I have been in Europe, in Scandinavia, and some other places where the sun doesn't go down. The sun stays up for three or four months. I've also been in some places where the sun doesn't come up for several months. It stays dark for several months up by the North Pole. So how do they keep the Sabbath from sun up to sunset? Sunset to sun. How, how do they keep the Sabbath? I'll tell you if you come back at 5 o'clock this evening. But it's a problem in some places. But God says, and it's not a problem for you or for me, because the sun does set. Thank God. In Las Vegas, the sun does set. But now, so much for the greater light. Let's take a look at the lesser light. And I want to engage your thinking for a bit here from the book Testimonies, Volume 6, where Ellen White has a chapter titled, the very title, The Observance of the Sabbath. And I want to consider four different aspects of Sabbath keeping. The first being with preparing for the Sabbath. And this is from the lesser light. 
And it's all calculated simply to point us to the greater light. Listen now, page 353. All through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind. We already said that. And be making preparation to keep it according to the commandment. So we don't wait till the very end and say, Oh, i got to hurry up. The Sabbath is almost here. We start Saturday night thinking about the next Sabbath and preparing and calculating how we're going to have our cleaning done and our car washed and our lawns cut and our floors mopped and everything else we need, our tithe set aside and everything that, that involves our worship and our Sabbath keeping. Then again, the next page, 354, in all that pertains to the success of God's work, the very first victories are to be won in the home life. So rule number two from the lesser light is that the home life must be right all week. Here the preparation for the Sabbath is to, begun, to be begun. Train for him the little church in your home, those who have children, that on the Sabbath all may be prepared to worship in the Lord's sanctuary. And that has to do with having worship morning and evening. Parents should pray. And the fathers, you are chiefly responsible. Fathers, if you aren't doing it, I beg you, I plead with you, now, tomorrow morning, this evening, before you leave the house, before you go to bed, gather your children together and pray with them. And if you don't have a dad in the home, mothers, you do it. And if you're there by yourself in single home, you do it. But family prayer is not as essential as personal prayer, but it's even more essential than public prayer and worship. And it's a good thing to gather the children together and say, now we're having church. So that when they do come to church, they'll know what sanctity and what respect and reverence are. Rule number three, no duty pertaining to the six working days will be left for the Sabbath. During the week, our energies will not be so exhausted in temporal labor that on the day when the Lord rested and was refreshed, we are too weary to engage in his service. Some people work so hard, the six days, in other words, that when the Sabbath comes, they're too tired to enjoy it. You ever been too tired to enjoy what's going on? Yeah, I get that way sometimes. I get, I get so tired sometimes that, that if I don't go lie down and go to bed, I, I don't enjoy whatever's going on. And we should not, yes, we must work the six days, but we must not exhaust ourselves so that we cannot enjoy the Sabbath. Rule number five in this lineup. While preparing for the Sabbath is made, or preparation for the Sabbath is made all week, Friday is the special day. What is the special day, everybody? And it's called that in the Bible. You read it in Matthew chapters 26 and 27 and in Mark chapters 15 and on. Friday is a preparation day. And through Moses the Lord said to the children of Israel, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye bake today and see what ye will and that which remaineth uh, to you you can keep until the next morning. And you know. That in Israel, the manna fell every day for 40 years. The manna fell. And they could never keep it to the next day. They had to go. God forced them to work. If they were going to eat manna, they had to get up and go out and get it the next day. 
if you try to keep that wafer little manner, little wafer like soft and tasty, and they said it's slightly sweet wafer that God had to rain down like snow every morning for his people in the wilderness, if they tried to keep it till the next day, it would stink and the worms would be accumulating. But not so with the manna that fell on Friday. The manna that fell on Friday was keepable. God said, bake what you're going to bake, and they didn't have to go out and gather it on the Holy Sabbath day. Friday is a day of preparation, and it is a special day. So all that hasn't been done during the week, really, we have to finish it up on Friday. And reading on 355 on Friday, let the preparation for the Sabbath be completed. See, it doesn't begin on Friday. Let the preparation for the Sabbath be completed. See that all the clothing is in readiness. And all the cooking is done. Let the boots be black and the baths be taken. Well, that's a little different. Back there, they, they call them boots, not shoes. But same principle. Shine your shoes, fellas. Get your wife's shoes out and make sure everything is ready. Make sure the house is clean. And back there, they had a hard time taking baths. They had to put, a, put big pots. Some of you folk from the country a long time ago, you know what I'm talking about. Take a big pot and put it on some hot coals and wood, heat up the water, and, 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 and take a dipper and get in there and put it in another pot where you took your, well, we don't do that today. So it's okay to take a shower on the Sabbath. It's all right. But the principle that she was getting at is to get everything ready, get the, get the body ready so that, so that when the sun sets, we're all ready. The house is ready. The house is ready, the floors are mopped and, and vacuumed, and, and the shoes are ready. Shouldn't be shining your shoes on the Sabbath, unless there's some emergency, and we'll come to that in a moment. And then, before the setting of the sun, let secular work be laid aside, and all secular papers be put out of sight. Now, I never understood why she advised that you put the secular papers out of sight. I think what she meant was, put them where children can't be reading them and so forth. But the point is that when the sun sets, brothers and sisters, everything should be ready. It's like God is coming into our home and we have thoroughly prepared our bodies, our minds, our clothing, and we are absolutely prepared to greet the Sabbath and to welcome the Sabbath with ease. And that takes us to the next thing that I want to talk about, section B here, which has to do with opening the Sabbath. And that is when the sun actually sets. Now remember, before the sun sets, we are to get all this done. And let me add, we are, page 356, to jealously guard the edges of the Sabbath. Now what are the edges of the Sabbath? That means the last 30 minutes or so before the sun sets, last 30, 20, 15, you know, the, the countdown, the farther back you get from the actual moment the sun sets, the better. So if we can do it 15, 20, 30 minutes before, then we're relaxed. We don't want to finish cooking and, and, and the pot's on the stove and you turn the, 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 the stove off and leave the pot there hoping the heat will finish the cooking. And, and breathlessly, everybody run. I heard Sister Hodges say at one time, greet it 
Or she says, yes, greet it. Don't just meet it, but greet the Sabbath. Greet the Sabbath. Don't just meet it, greet it. So we'll be relaxed and ready when the Sabbath comes. And so, how do we open the Sabbath? Before the setting of the sun, let the members of the family, let who? Let the members of the family assemble to read God's word and sing and pray. Fathers, fathers, that's us. That's us. When the sun sets, you should have your wife, your children sitting down, and you should already be singing. And they know when you're faking. Huh? They know when you're fake. You come in after the Sabbath and say, did you all get ready? Fathers, it's our job to see that the Sabbath is welcomed appropriately. And then, when, and it ought to be open with song and prayer and beautiful anticipation. And then there's certain Sabbath activities. Also, this is the lesser light. And I want you to hear what it has to say. It says, number one, on the Sabbath, let the families stir early. In other words, don't wake up so late that you're throwing clothes on and fussing and fighting and arguing about who's ready and who's not and then hustling trying to make it to Sabbath school or church. But we should be able to be composed on the Sabbath morning and not disturbed and all fretful. And again, another rule, we should not provide for the Sabbath a more liberal supply or a greater variety of food than on other days. Mothers, don't make such a scrumptious family meal on Sabbath that it overloads the system. Listen to what else is said. Instead of this food, there should be simple, in fact, less should be eaten in order that the mind might be clear and vigorous to comprehend spiritual things. Overeating fogs the brain. All right. Another statement. Much of this time, speaking of the Sabbath day, parents should spend with their children. This, this is how we keep the Sabbath, parents. Much, spend time with your children. Take out a little time, especially when they're small. Take them for walks and spend a little time dealing with them and talking with them. Other hints on how to keep the Sabbath have to do, first of all, with traveling on the Sabbath. And here, Abundant Life, we're guilty. We're guilty. If we desire the blessing promised promise to the obedient, we must observe the Sabbath more strictly. I fear we often travel on this day when it might be avoided. In order to reach churches that need our help to give them necessary the message of God, it may be necessary to travel on the Sabbath. But if so, fare should possibly be secured and our tickets and arranged on another day. And when starting on a journey, we should make every possible effort to plan so as to avoid reaching our destination on the Sabbath. We shouldn't say, well, I got a vacation coming, so I'm going to leave Friday night. Or I went on this trip and I'm going to come in Sabbath morning. Now, you can fuss with me. I'm just a messenger. But I have to tell you the whole truth, right? And the whole truth is 
that true Sabbath keeping avoids secular travel on the Sabbath day. Last Sabbath, I came here early in the morning, got in the car, I had to drive to a funeral. Now, I don't like to even go to churches when I had to drive on the Sabbath. But that's excusable. If you're going to go visit a church, or if you're going to go to some sacred event, that's one thing. But just to say, I went back home to, let me see if I can call someplace nobody lives. If I went back to Little Rock just to have a vacation, and I left Friday evening, no, no. It might mean you miss a day of work because you left on Thursday and got there before sunset Friday, but whatever the sacrifice, we are not to put ourselves unnecessarily into a traveling mode where we have to be involved with individuals who are not keeping the Sabbath or smoking and drinking and all kinds of music going on and there's no Sabbath atmosphere. Rather, we save the Sabbath for the sacred activities that must be. And again, let none who come, speaking of how to keep the Sabbath now, I'm down in Sabbath activities, almost to closing, let none come to the place of worship to take a nap. That's some strong, strong business here, isn't it? That none, I'm not even going to look around right now. Let none come to take a nap. There should be no sleeping in the house of God. You do not fall asleep when engaged in your temporal business because you have an interest in that work. Shall we allow the service which involves eternal interest to be put on a lower level than the temporal affairs of life? And going on, and may I say, not only should there be no sleeping in church, but there ought to be no chewing gum in church. God is the primary guest here. And if you could really see him, would you be chewing gum? Hmm? Not in God's face. Not in God's face. But I can't tarry. I must go on. As you enter the place of worship, ask the Lord to remove all evil from your heart. Bring to his house only that which can bless. Kneel before God in his temple and consecrate to him his own which he has purchased with the blood of Christ. Pray for the speaker. That's something you can do. Pray for the speaker and so forth. Well, there's so much more and time won't permit. But let me give you this one last rule of Sabbath activity. And that has to do with mission work. The Sabbath is the time, as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath is really for rest. Not all day, but we ought to take a little, little time to refresh ourselves. It's all right to lie down and sleep an hour or two on the Sabbath. It's all right. It's okay. You, it's for physical rest. It's a, to enjoy. It's just not to be the activity of the Sabbath. <laughs> Lay activities means something else, you see. But we come and it's a balance. Sabbath is beautiful. It's sweet. It's okay to go to sleep on the Sabbath. It's all right to rest up and get refreshed. But we ought also be trying to do missionary work, finding out how we can help somebody, visiting the old folks' home, visiting the hospitals, visiting the sick members of the church. 
and doing other things that are lawful. And of course, that will give us a song of praise. And then that makes the Sabbath a delight, truly a delight. And we can close the Sabbath with joy. And here we read page 359. As the sun goes down, let the voice of prayer and the hymn of praise mark the close of the sacred hours and invite God's presence through the cares of the week of labor. So as the sun set on Friday, we had the family praying and singing. When the sun sets on Sabbath, and sometimes we forget in our board meetings, business meetings, sometimes I've forgotten but I want to pledge today to be more faithful in my Sabbath keeping. When the sun goes down, no matter where we are, we ought to say a little prayer and thank God for the blessed Sabbath hours. Thank him for the refreshment. Thank him for visiting with us. Thank him that he's charged our minds with his Holy Spirit and given us strength to face the week which is ahead. And so, the greater light, the lesser light, teach us that this day is a gift from God and we, if we keep it like we should, we will indeed be blessed, we will indeed be given God's approbation and we will indeed share with him in the promise of Isaiah. And I'd like for you to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 66, if you will, verses 12 and on. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 22 really it says for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make remain says the Lord so shall your descendants and your name remain and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath from one what everybody Sabbath. to another shall all flesh come to worship before me now this is the new earth this is not in heaven we're worshiping on the Sabbath in heaven too but you know how I know this is the new earth? I know this is the new earth because it says from one new moon. And it won't be any moons in heaven because we won't have the need for the sun there. Because Jesus will be the shining light in glory. But in the new earth, when God brings back Eden restored, when his plan of salvation, which was disrupted by sin, is reinstituted, when time shall be no more. And you know what time is. Forget the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Think globally now. Time is simply the space between the eternities. That's all. Time is that period where we had to count heartbeats and have calendars because of sin. Because we know that everything living must die. So we came up with something called chronology and time and calendars and maps. But one day there won't be any time. Time shall be no more. And eternity past before we had to start counting. And eternity future beyond which or in which we will need no more calendars because we'll have forever. Eternity past and eternity future will meet and the people of God will keep the Sabbath. And the Bible says from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come to worship before me. Don't let anybody tell you the Sabbath is done away with. Don't let anybody tell you it's for the Jews. My Bible says that when Jesus comes in the resurrection, in the earth made new, we're going to keep the Sabbath forever. And you know, 
He says, you're going to come and worship before me. You know who that me is? That me is Jesus himself. And won't that be a privilege to see Jesus? I have met a lot of big people. While I was president of Oakwood, I had to attend a lot of banquets and go to a lot of big meetings around the White House. Let me tell you who I met. I met Leontine Price. You know who she is, don't you? I met Ronald Reagan, shook his hand. I met Nat King Cole. I already told you where I met these people, right? Nat King Cole, Sammy Davis, Joe Namath. I mean, I've shaken hands with all these people. Shook, and of course, had Muhammad Ali at the home for dinner and all that. Who else? Yeah, Henry Kissinger shook his hand. President Bush Sr. shook his hand, his hand and Barbara's hand. Henry Kissinger shook his hand. JFK, John Kennedy shook his hand. All these people I've met looked eyeball to eyeball, shaking their hand. And I met Ted Kennedy in a Boston airport. Dashing young man running through the airport with a friend of his. And a couple of us stopped him. I stopped him and said, hey, there's Ted Kennedy. And I stopped him and shook his hand. And you know, he was kind enough to stand there and talk to me. Talk to me like I was the only person in the world. And what you saw about his memorial is true. He had a big heart. He was a kind man of all the Kennedy boys. I think Teddy had, had perhaps the most affable of all the personalities. But, and by the way, if you want to shake the hand or shook their hands, I'll be glad to greet you at the door. You, you want to shake you want to shake the hand that shook all those hands, I'll be glad to shake it. But you know what? The hand I want to shake one day is the hand that was nailed to the cross. I want to shake the hand where the nails, the rusty nails were driven through the flesh, cutting through the veins and the arteries and from which the blood flowed in order that I might have my sins forgiven. In order that he might be able to take his blood to the Father and say, Father, my blood, forgive him for his sins. And then say, Father, my robe, cover him with my robe of righteousness. I want to shake his hand. How about you? And then I want to be there from Sabbath to Sabbath when the saints of God go marching in. I love him, don't you? And I want to be a part of that great triumph. I wonder, musicians, can we sing just a stanza? Oh, when the saints go marching in. Hadn't planned on it, but it's coming to me now. Let's sing that. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints they cry, oh, when they cry, I've been redeemed. Oh, when they cry, Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints, when the saints, when they march around. Sabbath day.